Welcome back to this week's episode of the Bulletproof Dad podcast. Today's episode is with Kate McDade, nutritionist and founder of company NutriCase. We sit down and chat about how nutrition plays a vital role in our sports performance, in our gym goals, and in our overall quality of life. So pop the headphones in and enjoy the show. The Bulletproof Dad podcast is sponsored by M50 Skip Hire. They're a local business that specializes in skip hire, but also commercial bins. So if you're involved in a small Irish business, practice to preach, look out for the small Irish businesses and get them to do your bins. So Kate McDade from NutriKate, you're very welcome to the Bulletproof Dad podcast. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thanks for making it all the way over from the south side today. It's great to have you in the lovely north side. So look, Kate, before we get into things, I'd love to just kind of talk about your background here because there'll be a lot of people listening to this that maybe aren't fully aware of what you do. So can you start and give us just a brief, brief background of, of what's brought you to here in terms of what you've done in terms of your education and then also your work history so far? Yeah, so um, I suppose going back to when I was in secondary school, I was really lucky in that I knew pretty quickly what I wanted to do and the direction I wanted to take from a career standpoint. Um, School didn't come very well. I just actually had no real interest in school, to be honest. Um, Got by, happy out, but always wanted to be out playing sport, doing this, that and the other. And then I had the opportunity in transition year to work with a nutritionist. And I would have, I've played uh, basketball, a very high standard. I, you know, was playing for Ireland at the time. So I had exposure to a nutritionist, like someone coming in and having us think about the concept of nutrition. So I was like, okay, well, obviously I want, you know, at that point I wanted to do anything I could to improve my performance and complement all of the work I was doing on, on a basketball court. Um, and saw that nutrition w- would help me make those kind of margins to make that Irish team to perform to the highest standard I could and, and ultimately go to the European Championship. So um, I got exposed to it there and then worked with nutritionists and transition year and really that just like solidified that, okay, I'm actually super interested. Like for the first time ever, I sat in a, an hour's seminar and listened to her speak and it was to, um, I think, a group of bus drivers. So not your athletic right, population. Okay, yeah, 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 it's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah and yeah. but again, it kind of just, because I suppose you're quite maybe self-consumed when you play at a certain standard. And also I was a teenager, so you're not really thinking about anything other than yeah. what's going on with the girls and what's, you know, what's going on with sport and everything else. So um, obviously then I started looking at it in the context of health and then I was like, geez, like this is so interesting. And like I was completely captivated by this topic for the full hour, which was a big deal for me because obviously if you think back to school, 40 minutes, you'd be like nailing the clock down, like to see it. <laughs> I was like, come feeling, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, right, done deal. Like I know what I want to do. So I had the direction then. I really like buckled up then for fifth and sixth year to try and move in that direction because yeah. I knew that's what I wanted. So I suppose I applied all the hard work I was in in sports and brought it into education. Then. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, they, you know, complemented that way. Um, and I learned that quite early on too, which was nice. Um, so fast forward, ended up going to do food science in UCD um, after I finished the Leaving Cert and then applied for a master's at Loughborough University in sport and exercise nutrition um, was successful. And then, you know, went about business there, got my master's and actually started my career over in the UK. So I started working in a consultancy first with an internship and then progressed to um 
health and performance nutritionist and then was had a managerial role over, I suppose, the, the new crew coming through in, in that setup. So there I worked with um, elite amateur athletes, uh, worked within corporate entities, worked with people on a one-to-one basis. And I suppose just started to get exposure. And yeah, there's a good melting pot there in fairness. So that's something you might go into a little bit more detail now, yeah. these different scenarios you're faced with as a nutritionist, like where people are coming from a health standpoint and then some coming from the performance standpoint as well. So like mm. that's, but that's great exposure in such a couple of, early couple of years, you're over there doing all that and getting getting hands-on. It's brilliant. Yeah. So how, after, were you, how many years were you there before you moved back then to Dublin? Um, so I was over in uh, Loughborough for about three years and then 2017 I came back and uh, set up Nutricate yeah. um, and there we do similar work in that we're working with, um, you know, different inter-county setups. Um, you know, I'm currently working with the senior men's uh, football and hurling squads in Kildare and my colleagues working with the Dumb Senior Ladies football team. We work with universities and their scholarship programs there and their elite um, athletes within those programs. Um, and we also go in and deliver seminars, workshops to corporate entities, different clubs around the country in multiple sporting disciplines. And we also then work with people online or in person in our clinic in Sandyford uh, to help, you know, on I suppose on the basis of health or performance or whatever it might be for them. So it's a mixed bag. And I suppose Brilliant, I yeah. took what I learned um, and what I continue to learn over, you know, the, I don't know, Nutricate's now going on six in June, which is wild. Um, so you know you just kind of keep building on yeah, experiences yeah. and and, and you've a team, you've a team people working with you now as well already in that yeah. early stages. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. few. There's uh, four of us. So yeah. um, yeah. So it's a, a, a really nice team. I feel very Brilliant. lucky yeah, on that yeah. front. It's great. Yeah, no, good on you. It's like it's serious <laughs> going. A couple of years, fair play. Um, so like you mentioned there, a lot of people listen to this. We're going to have some guys who play golf at the weekends. We're going to have some guys who are mad into the GAA. There's people then a lot of them will be into the gym and stuff as well. So we might go into a bit a few of those particular contexts, but before we do, like when you're working with like whether it's an athlete or an individual one on one, the thing they have in common is they're both they're humans, you know. So in terms of the human side of nutrition, the fundamentals first of all, when you have someone that you're you're, you're looking at working with, what are the the fundamentals that you look at first before maybe delving into the deeper stuff? What are the key areas you'd look at? Um, well, I think like first and foremost, like irrespective of who you're working with or whether they're part of that kind of um, team setup, when it comes to a one to one scenario, like you're you're seeing where that person's at um, what's within their capabilities um, to suss out what the next be- best step is. Yeah. Like very often people come in and think, oh, this is what I need. Um, or should I be going down this route? Um, you know, various diet plan, meal plan, um, calorie counting, ketogenic diet, whatever yeah. it might be, depending on, you know, what they've been exposed to from an inf- information standpoint. Um, and when you actually start peeling back the layers to see, OK, well, you know, what's your diet history been like? Where you're at? Have you got kids, what are your responsibilities, you know, what are you looking to really get out of this and what they thought they need versus what they actually might need or what might work best for them are two different things. So it's kind of, you know, meeting them where they're at and to make sure that they can move forward and it's not going to be a case that they're they're overwhelmed um, and they never really make that leap. Yeah. You mentioned there like people come in to kind of have a an idea of what they already think they need and whether that they, whether they've got that from social media or other experts, whatever, there's a million and one things you might debunk in a little bit. Um, but what do you find there's anywhere that's often just completely underappreciated or completely overlooked in general? Is there any areas, whether it's 
fruit and veg consumption or protein consumption, whatever. Like, is there any areas where you think in general most people have a kind of lack of awareness towards or a lack of appreciation for? Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's not overly attractive, but like when you really peel it back, like you alluded to fruit and vegetables, like they're usually mad under the radar yeah. and there's so many benefits to yeah. it from a health standpoint or for that person who's trying to maybe, you know, drop a little bit of body fat, like, you know, they can be so useful in terms of adding a load of volume without adding a load of calories, yeah. which ultimately is something that you're looking to restrict to be successful when you're looking to drop body fat. So um, that like sleep is massively underappreciated too. So, you know, if we're underslept, um, you know, we're not getting enough sleep. Um, well, that has an influence on our appetite. So, you know, um, you see in the context of when we don't get enough sleep, like our appetite stimulating hormone, the guy ghrelin increases and our appetite suppressing hormone leptin goes through the floor, mm. you know, and already then if you're looking to make um, decisions, particularly in the context of trying to maybe manage your calorie intake, you're already starting on the back foot because you're hungrier than maybe yeah. what you would have been if you're underslept. Our food choices are also compromised in that, you know, if we haven't had enough sleep and it's an ongoing cycle, we tend to want to go for food that's more comforting. Um, and usually that's food that's, you know, um, very palatable, maybe not overly nutritious um, and super easy to eat. So again, it just makes it more difficult to maybe make informed decisions and health conscious conscious decisions when maybe you're you've got internal drivers that are, are forcing you yeah, in a certain yeah, direction they're working against you basically yeah yeah 100 yeah. are people surprised when you start looking at the sleep when they're obviously they're coming to nutritionists to talk about their food like when you start asking about sleep do you get a bit of kickback or is it do they understand that you've mentioned really clearly there at the link between the two but are people kind of surprised that that's on your questionnaire if you like um, I'm sure there's a few that probably are like, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Um, but I think by and large, again, it comes back to me doing my role properly as well. It's like, well, letting them know why we might be looking to even get to that point. Yeah. Like another side of it is, um, you know, you'd be looking at things like, well, you know, what is the lifestyle like in, in terms of stress? Um, you know, stress is going to have a huge influence on things as well. Um, you know, are they are they managing uh, that? Um, the various responsibilities they have, the training load that they have, um, their flexibility or lack thereof in work, um, females and their menstrual cycle. Like you're basically trying to piece together the person in front of you so that you really can give them direction. Um, and, you know, that's not like forcing anyone to do anything mm. or that doesn't work like that either, you know. Um, but it is meeting meeting them where... Um, where they're at and, you know, coming together to, I suppose, have a plan that works effectively yeah. for them. Yeah. You mentioned okay. there about ghrelin and leptin. It's really good insight into kind of what's going on under our bonnets when we're, particularly when we're fatigued. Um, how would stress impact us then in terms of what's going on within us? If we're, if we're highly stressed, how could that affect what's going on within us and our, maybe our food choices and our appetite? Yeah. So, I like, I mean, I think on, on that in that sense, like, you know, it can have a, a an impact on things like our rationale, you know, our logic. Um, and very often we can see things that would normally cause us issues or a strain. And all of a sudden it's like the worst thing ever mm. that's happening. And it, very easy, we can maybe go down a, a cascade. Um, you know, people can catastrophize things without maybe being highly strung or under a load of stress. That can be a default that some people maybe find themselves uh, relying on. Um, but, 
you know, I, I think, you know, from uh, the the choices or the the outlets that we're looking for, some people might, um, you know, use a, a strategy where they rely on food to help them overcome that maybe difficult feel, feeling or sensation mm. that they might be experiencing. So, so food changes mood or such, yeah. It, it, yeah. Uh, it can have an influence for sure. Like, I mean, when we're working, say, in, in a group setting, like one of the ways we might do a bit of an icebreaker is to like focus people back to all of the aspects that nutrition has an influence on. Because I think sometimes like, oh, yeah, nutrition, like, yeah, like it probably help my health or whatever it might be, depending on, you know, the people sitting in front of you. Um, but when you see actually the areas that it, it does feed into now, it's not going to you know, cure anything necessarily, but it definitely can make us maybe more robust or give us a um, a more stable playing field if, you know, our body and our, our, our mind are getting the nutrients that they need. And, and that's, I suppose, when you look at, you know, managing stress or, you know, managing sleep and everything else, like if we're well rested as well, like that's all a piece of the puzzle that will have an influence on uh, the the bigger picture. So um, I think refocusing people, you know, and seeing, OK, well, you know, nutrition will have an impact on on your sleep, on your energy levels, on your performance. So your performance as a person, because ultimately, like you and I are sitting here today and we're essentially performing, like we're getting a job done. People have deadlines, people have various tasks, projects and so on that they're working on. They're performing and then you have to go home and you have to deal with whoever's at home. I'm saying that in a negative light, like it's a lovely thing to be able to go home. I'm sure everyone's surrounded by people that they they love and care about, but that comes with... There's intensities there, definitely, yeah. yeah. As someone who's two young kids, yeah. <laughs> I, I can agree with that at times, yeah. Yeah. And uh, dinner time can always be a stressor if uh, if not managed correctly as well, especially with young kids. Uh, definitely see your spot on there. Um, so look, like you, you've given a really good example there and insight into how stress can, unless it can combat us from any between work and sport and everything else it can come at us. So maybe if we were to go into it a little bit more then uh, in terms of the specifics of different sports, okay? And then we might come back then to the the, the overall impact it has then and maybe other areas of our life. Obviously, like if there'll be a lot of people listening to this, our parents or um, then like most people will be in some sort of career path as well. But if we go into the sports stuff first, it might help us kind of put stuff into context a little bit more. So like if we're looking at the different sports, like I know your own background there, you said like you were heavily involved in GAA. So that was a big, sport was a big, that was, so sport tweaked the interest for you initially and then you kind of found out what nutrition does for everything else after it was sport that, that brought, drew you there first. We'll start with that first of all. And if we look at different sports, there's all different time brackets on sport and then there's different intensities. So we use the example of GAA there. You're playing a high intensity sport for the guts of what, 70 to 90 minutes depending on at a time and the rest of it uh, versus say someone who's going for a round of golf again really good exercise great for you but again it's probably longer in duration but it's lesser in intensity so the fuel requirements there might be slightly different so if we just start with GA because I know you do a lot of work with GA teams you mentioned it there you've done a lot of work with Dublin GA over the years and a lot of clubs around the area and you're working with Kildare now what are the fundamentals you're looking at when you're working with these these players these who would essentially elite players because they're working at the top of their game um, what's the stuff you're looking at with those guys and, and girls to try and get across? What's the message there? Yeah, well, I think a key thing really is making sure they're meeting their energy needs first and foremost. I think it's massively underrated in terms of how much energy they're expending. And also a lot of these athletes would have a high volume of muscle mass too. So that will 
have an impact on their energy requirements in and of itself. So, you know, we have to take the, the body composition and then the demands of the sport into account. So I think getting them aware of what their energy needs look like first and foremost is super important in line with the goals. So at different points of the season, like, you know, some of them be looking to drop body fat, others be looking to increase muscle mass. They'll influence what their energy requirements look like and how we might broach that. Um, but then also in season then, well, you're looking now at this point, like we're entering the championships phase, which is super exciting. But, you know, we're lo- like athletes are at their prime now. So we're looking to make sure they stay there. They stay injury free. They're recovering, bouncing back between the demanding schedule that they have at the moment. So it's making sure that they're equipped with the information to know what, okay, their energy requirements look like and and to make sure they're in a bit of a routine now to support that. Um, Another aspect that's super important that um, often is under HIF um, by uh, athletes in that scenario is their carbohydrate intake. Like there's a massive underappreciation to just how much they need um, and getting kind of comfortable with meeting their needs in line with their training demands. Uh, So making sure that, you know, when they're preparing for a game and they're looking to employ a carbohydrate loading strategy, that they know actually what that actually looks like um, and what that means. Um, And that's something that you'd work with them uh, with over, you know, the kind of pre-season into the league to make sure that when we get to this point that it's like second nature. Um, but even aside from the the kind of carbohydrate loading standpoint, you know, day to day, like making an athlete fully aware that, you know, carbohydrates are super important for their performance and making sure that they have enough energy to think, to perform at the best of their ability at training. Like, and that standard and really at any standard where you're looking to compete like you only have so long with your team you only have so long on the pitch and we're looking to capitalize on that so if you can rock up to a session and you're you have you're well hydrated and that's another aspect actually that's super important like one one of the roles i have and mind you, I didn't know it was part of <laughs> part of the job description because it's definitely not my favorite aspect of the job. But it's testing your right to see. <laughs> Sounds if, glamorous. Yeah, to sell, so, yeah. 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 Um. So it's it's testing your right to make sure that the athletes going out in the pitch are hydrated yeah. because if they're not hydrated and dehydrated, um, they're not going to be as sharp. Their uh, risk of injury is elevated. Um. Ultimately, that session can't be optimal because. Uh, there's potentially another level that it could have gone up if everyone was like where they should be. But I suppose going back to the carbohydrate standpoint, it's yeah really important from a a fueling standpoint and making sure that they have enough energy to think, to perform um, and keep the body ticking over. But also it's really important from a recovery standpoint. So it's not that on a rest day we wave goodbye to carbohydrates. Like they still have a function there, but it's like recognizing that, you know, we're probably looking to get a little bit more in when we're going to perform a gym session later that day and, you know, bringing it up another notch for a a heavy pitch session and so on. Particularly with carbohydrates, you mentioned there like energy requirements, so we'll we'll call that calories. And then you're talking about carbohydrates for, I suppose we'll call that fuel. Um, do you get much kickback when you're going into teams? Because like, there's a lot of misconceptions about there. Like, especially you're going into a team of elite footballers, they're going to be quite fit. And I'm sure 
they'd be body conscious as well, the majority of them. So you're coming here saying, look, you need to up your calories to this amount based on what you, your activity is. And we also need you to consume more carbohydrates. And if they have it in their head that cal too many calories and too much carbohydrates is going to make them gain weight and you know, they're not thinking just about performance, they're thinking about aesthetics here as well, which if I think if most people are honest, it, they, they care about both, you know. Mm. Um, is there is that a hard conversation to have, particularly in the GA world, I'm thinking here, because like that you said, a lot of people are chronically uh, underfueled and their energy requirements are nowhere near what they should be. Like, is it hard to get that across? Is there a bit of fear there with with players that they're, they're basically going to gain weight if they do all this? Like, do you come across that kickback? Yeah, like, I mean, there's definitely athletes who you know that that is a concern mm. for them 100%. Like, and also I have to, like, caveat then the other side, like, I, part of, you know, my my job in, in a lot of cases is to perform something like a skin fold assessment to see where their body fat That's is. That's part of what you're doing as well. Yeah. yeah. Or you're sending lads for DEXAs or mm. girls for DEXAs um, to assess what body composition is. Mm. It's really um, important for me that they recognize that it's another um, piece of the puzzle, I suppose. Like it's not the be all and end all to one degree because, you know, when you're looking even at something like body fat levels, you're working within ranges based on, I suppose, the research that's done to date or, you know, what we feel would be optimal for that that athlete in that position in that sport. But at the same time, if that's going to cause a load of strain for someone, like we all have our own kind of set points as well, is that really going to benefit their performance? Yeah, it's fascinating really, isn't it? It's like, are you better off being 18% body fat and properly fueled for a game or being potentially 15% body fat and under fueled? Like it's, it's it's such a fine line between both, isn't it? Like it's that's why I probably brought it up here because I said it, it, it. I'd say it's a very hard thing to manage, particularly when you're working with a team of players and you're only seeing them whatever once a week, twice a week, whatever it is. I'd say that it can be quite challenging at times. Yeah, yeah, and but I think you know it's important as well to draw their attention to where there's people saying the scenario where they are re really afraid of their you know their body conscious and they might be yeah afraid mm. concerned that oh god well what if my body fat goes up what if I don't look like the athlete that I want to be at you know it definitely there's there's barriers there for sure so I think in that instance it's really it's not useful for me to be like oh well cop on and eat more you need to do that um but it's like okay well you know what like I think you're looking at the low-hanging fruit you're like well do you know what I actually think you'd get get a little bit more by adding this into just this part of your day and there might be five other parts that yeah. he, you know he or she could do better but it's you know getting a little bit of trust and building on that. Like I'd one athlete, um, you know, before where uh, the weight on the scale. So again, I was doing a, a skin fold assessment. Uh, the weight on the scales were much higher than than what that, that athlete had anticipated. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I haven't done the, the body fat side of things. But, you know, looking at that individual, there definitely wasn't going to be an issue there. Um, and, and muscle gain was something that we were striving for. So, uh, but again, that kind of took that person back a little bit. They were like, oh God, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, well, how are you feeling? So before I ever get a calipers to you, like, what has the last few weeks been like to you? And they were like, oh, well, you know, energy's much better um, you know, I can take contact a lot better. I can give contact a lot better. Um, my uh, running performance is great. And I'm like, okay, so whatever 
comes out of this assessment. Can we please, like, ultimately, I am here, the, these numbers that I'm gathering are here to make you better, yeah, you know. and perform better on the pitch, yeah. Performance. Yeah. That's all any S&C coach, any nutritionist working within sport or indeed working to support performance, whatever the capacity is looking to mm. do. So we need to take that into account. And, you know, particularly, you know, when I'm working maybe with females, you know, body fat levels and so on, I do take them, you know, with a pinch and so, pinch of salt uh, because there can be large variations. And it's again, it's like my main focus is what is this athlete? How is this athlete, this person in front of me going to be able to perform at the best ability taken into account? And that's why I look to do, you know, try and get to know them and know their life as best I can. And given the, you know, uh, confines that we're working within, like sometimes you're afforded more time with certain setups than you are in mm. others. Um, but, you know, you're trying to get a full picture because, you know, life changes and there's lots going on that we don't see when, you know, we're not at training and so on. Like that's a snippet of their week. That's a snippet of their entity as an individual. So, you know, you're trying to maybe get a, a more rounded view so you can really help the person at hand and, you know, see where that, like, you know, it could be a case where, you know, someone's way off the mark from a body composition standpoint and you get to them a point that's not within the range, but it's so much better than where exactly. they were. It's so it's improvement, like, yeah. happy days. So that, yeah. you can't just shun that person there because it's like, well, you're still not within that range yeah. that we're aiming for. It's like, God, well done. Like, look how much progress that you've made. And it is like a clap on the back for that. And like you're in a much better position than where you were. You should gain confidence in that. And now you get to go out and like perform at a, at a better standard, hopefully, and, and so on and so forth. So I think coming back to um, the, the person at hand, where they're at. And again, that will influence how quickly or slowly you can move with someone on a conversation around getting more calories in or mm. getting more carbohydrates in. The, 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 the other factors you're looking to learn from the, the athletes you're working with, like I'd imagine what what they do for a living can be a big thing, whether they're like working on a building site, laying bricks versus sitting at a desk all day, I'm sure is important in terms of energy requirements. Have they got kids? I'm sure it's something you probably want to know. The age bracket of kids, I'm sure in terms of sleeping and stress and stuff like that at home. Is there any other areas as well that you'd, you'd particularly like to kind of find out with the, the athletes you're working with? Or are they the kind of key areas? Um, They would be a, a big part of it. You know, I suppose other things like sometimes you've got people who are working and then they're also doing maybe a little bit of study on top of that. Um, you know, again, depending on how well you know the athlete, they might, you know, share something maybe on a more personal level that would add in a little bit of strain there. So again, it's kind of just taking, or you can tell by the body language or um, the, I suppose, how that athlete has been maybe behaving or patterns that, you know, maybe suggest, like, mm. obviously, I'm by no means a psychologist and I'm very fortunate that I work with fabulous sports psychologists who, you know, I get to, you know, see how they're operating and what they're looking to do. And, you know, I've worked with sports psychologists uh, myself and, it, you know, there's so much to gain when you kind of understand what the hell's going on mm. up there. Um, so, you know, that that job's for them, but there's definitely things that you can pick up from people, if, you know, if they're maybe a little yeah. bit off the, the mark or, you know, if, if so, anyone, it's like a friend or a family man member, if they're kind of behaving in a way that's not their usual, well, then maybe that's indicating something. So um, I suppose you t take that on board. And then things like, you know, uh, their sleep, um, you know, are they able to unwind, uh, you know, being another element. 
Um, but definitely, I suppose, yeah, you know, are they sitting at a desk like me for most of the day? Um, or are they, as you said, out in, out in a site? How are they getting to and from work? Mm. Um, you know, are they cycling and are they driving? Um, what are their wake and, and sleep um, times? You know, is there a pattern there? Uh, what does that mean in terms of the structure of their day? And There's so, so many layers and you break it down really, isn't there? So like, <laughs> yeah, like I know you're saying you're not a psychologist, but you kind of need to have that sort of head on you at times like you can't just look at nutrition and food diaries there's so much other external stuff you're talking about there like you need to have an, an eye for it whether you're the designated expert or not is another thing but you do need to be aware of these things definitely when you're working because you're working with human beings at the end of the day you know it's huge 100% I think on that though I think it's super important that while you need to be privy to that it's still so important that, like like anything like uh, like I, I, you pick up things from a strength and conditioning standpoint like I've worked with plenty of them myself in my own sporting right but like I don't have a notion really in the grand scheme of things so it's like just making sure that you like stay in your lane where you can recognise exactly, yeah, you know yeah. recognise these things pick up on them but like also being fully aware of when that's really not your mm. Yeah, um, when you need to reach out to the And that's why I'm so yeah. fortunate that I work within a multi there, yeah. Yeah, disciplinary team. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Just a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by M50 Skips. So if you're doing a spring clean at home at the moment, make sure you give them a shout. They're a local business based in Santry. Give them a shout, mention the Bulletproof Dad podcast, and they'll give you a 10% discount on your next skip hire. Um, one thing, just while we're on there, do you find much, like whether it's in the GAA uh, background or maybe other team sports like football, for example, um, is there much superstitions you come across? Like, do you have players who will like, they'll only eat such and such before a game or... Like, particularly on game day I'm sure there is some superstitions mm -hmm. there and if so like, if you have you come across it and have you just left it or have you tried to improve the quality of what's there yeah I, I think um, I think with that it's really like I'd be very conscious of when you're looking to improve um, a routine of a player um, you know for example is it going to be helpful or is it going to be more stressful if I try and change something right before a big game like mm. you know, like that's probably not going to be useful um, you're looking to stick um, you're, you're, and I suppose that's what I'm trying to unwrap as um, at the beginning of the season it's like well you know where are people sitting on you know you mentioned um, you know a pre-match meal or whatever it might be is that standing them like there is a scenario where I had an athlete who was like, oh, I always have chicken and pasta before a game, but it makes me feel awful. And I'm like, oh, why are you doing that? Like, um, so it's like working that, and he was, uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do. And, and, and in fairness, like... It's not, it's a good pre-match meal in one it sense. It is, yeah. yeah. If it makes you feel good, though, is another thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it works for a load of athletes. Yeah. But like, again, recognising, I think that's something that, you know, I do try and um, get across to anyone I'm working with, whether they're an athlete or not. It's that self-awareness piece mm -hmm. It's like, what actually is adding value or what's detracting, you know, from my life and the lifestyle I want to lead um, so that they can start to pick apart and, you know, and then providing them then with that layer of education where it's like, OK, well, what are we looking for? Something like a pre-match meal where we want, you know, a high quality protein source we want you know plenty of uh, carbohydrates that are easy to digest we probably don't want a load of fat in that meal we probably don't want a load of fiber in that meal um but that doesn't limit us down to a chicken and a pasta yeah that, you know, some there's, there, but yeah. when you know what you're supposed to be doing or why the chicken and pasta are even recommended in the first place it makes it easier then to make those decisions yeah. around and that's the thing with in the context of sport like you've training sessions to figure out what 
is right or what's working or what's not. So use them like uh, when it comes to a game scenario, that should be almost second nature. It's things that you've already tried, that you're familiar with, that you know suit you. And that will look different for everyone. Like sometimes I'm organizing pre-match meals and you might have someone sitting down to you know, the full plate of food that's in front of them and and help themselves to bread rolls three hours away from th- throwing. But then you'll, I've often had athletes who sit there and they might have half the plate because that's just too much for them yeah. and they prefer to have a load of snacks instead. Again, it's you need to understand that and know that. And we really want to find that out training because if you have a bit of a mare in terms of nutrient timing going into a training session it's not the end of the world a bit more forgiving like not ideal but it's Mm. more forgiving than if you're going into a league or championship Mm. match and uh, you know particularly in in a competitive environment like people want to take your place like you know the kind of way you need to perform um and and i suppose that's for a lot of people a big big draw to it like they like the pressure and enjoy that element of it but um so yeah so figuring out and using that yeah, to your advantage no it, it it's a great answer and i think the the superstition thing is just intriguing i remember being on a course with nutritionist over in the uk and he was working with a premier he told a great story about working with a premier league team this back about 10 15 years ago and it was a team I won't mention the team but they were famous for getting players who were kind of past their sell by date and getting two or three really top quality years out of them. So the strength conditioning work they did and the nutrition work they did was really, really solid work. Uh, and he was saying about, he was brought in and one of the biggest things he was told straight away was that one of their star players had this issue. A uh, really eccentric player, but uh, he would only eat Cocoa Pops before a game. Okay. That was it. Only before, And he sat down and said, look, we need to fix this because obviously it's not right. And he just turned around and said, this is the player talking about here. He's your star player. He's your top goal scorer and he's performing every single week let him fuck off and eat Cocoa Pops was his answer was and then he just got on with everything else and like he said like I think the team was a bit taken aback by it but he was like he's performing on the pitch that's what my job is why are we going to go and interfere with this because he's, he's he's producing the goods on the pitch so yeah he could have had a better meal but at the end of the day he's performing on the pitch so he didn't go near it yeah. and I just remember hearing that so I going god that's actually fascinating because you know if you're a gung-ho nutritionist going in there you're trying to tear up everything and make everything perfect but you lose sight of what your actual number one role is when you're working with a team yeah yeah 100 and it goes back to what we were mentioning about like you know whether it's body composition or whatever ultimately we we want that player to be out performing week in week out we want them to do the job on the pitch so you know how that's made up will look different for everyone so cocoa pops is the key that's what I'm saying a load of listeners that would be buzzing with that (laughs) yes I knew it (laughs) so look that's brilliant the GA is a great one because it kind of covers it's all sports in terms of the team sports where a lot of people have interest here one final Final thing on that is that there'll be a lot of listeners here who have kids playing. Oh, yeah. in, maybe maybe it's teenagers, maybe a little bit younger. So yes, they're not at elite level, and they mightn't have the access to this, the skin calipers and stuff like that, which may not be any harm at a younger age. But what are the things like if you're because I know you do some work with underage teams, and you're just you're trying to I'm sure like empower them and educate them. What are the kind of fundamentals you're trying to get across to to kids, whatever level they're at in terms of ability, but just like, because they are going out and playing for the guts of an hour mm. and they're probably training a couple of times a week. So activity-wise and energy requirements-wise, like it's going to be quite high, yeah. 100%. So. And like, yeah, they're training, um, you know, a few times a week, but probably with a few different teams. Like, yeah. So they could be playing other sports as well on top of it. Exactly. Days, yeah. yeah, 100%. So um, I think the key thing with uh, underage athletes is actually energy. Like it's, we're not going, you, you'd educate them. And again, depending on the age group, like, I mean, we work with, you know, 
under 12s to, you know, a minor and there's so on. There's a big on. difference between like a minor and under 12. Yeah. yeah you generally, are technically both underage bracket, but there's a big difference. There, massive. Yeah. 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 So um, obviously what you're tackling is, is going to be different and how much information you're giving is going to be different. But, you know, so you might be giving them a little bit of an insight into what carbohydrates might do, what's protein useful for, what's fat playing a role with. Um, and I think that education piece is useful. I think, you know, information in a way that resonates with them can, you know, be something then that they work with mm. and they have a, some sort of concept on. Um, but I think a key thing with uh, the, those athletes is um, energy intake. Like, as we mentioned, they're training an awful lot. They're maybe involved in multiple sports, multiple teams. There's a lot going on and they're also growing and developing on top of that. So that requires energy in and of itself. They're trying to perform in school. They might have, again, depending on the school, there might be... Um, you know, the, a lot of PE and so on. So there's all these areas and um, the, I suppose the cost of exercise is greater for an underage athlete too. So um, we need to take that into account and kind of the research would point that, you know, under fueling is quite prevalent, just under hitting the marks. So then are we stunting their ability, their growth and so on? So I think getting enough energy into the day is super important. So making athletes aware of those opportunities. So like, where can you capitalize on this? Like, so uh, one thing, I don't know what's going on with under 14s, but they don't like breakfast. Like just okay, right, time yeah. and time again. It's just, lions, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, I understand that to a degree, but we, again, it's fine in a compromise so it's like breakfast is a really useful opportunity for them to support their recovery to add to their energy intake for that day um, so it's an opportunity that we want to get something mm. from um, so fair enough if you like the blabba fair enough if you you know aren't hungry in the morning um, but because it's an opportunity that we can capitalize on and, and make the most of well what are we maybe happy to compromise with so is it you know a piece of fruit and a glass of milk is it a smoothie um, it doesn't need to be a big bowl of porridge exactly, yeah. do you know what I mean what can we get in that little window yeah Yeah. so you're trying to just make them see okay well what are the options mm. coming in after training particularly if it's late in the evening they might have already had their dinner they're wrecked they to get up early for school the next day they just want to go to bed um, so it's again well, what's convenient accessible that you can get in and maybe it's like a lot of them you know underage they're not going to be driving so they're relying on lifts so can we have something in our gear bag that we can eat in the car on the mm. way home so then when you do get home it's literally into the shower organised for school and off to bed you go um, or you know it's throwing some beans in the microwave and a slice of toast like it doesn't need to be anything complicated yeah, yeah something that takes two or three minutes exactly so you're just making them aware okay well these are probably areas that I don't capitalise on how can I do that then a little bit better and give them the understanding as well you know uh, that why they might be doing or why there's benefit in their efforts or that thought because of a lot going on. Um, you know, so when we look at the the benefit of hitting the mark from a fueling standpoint, like again, going back to things that might resonate with them, they don't really care about health too much. Um, probably at that point, like it's not on your radar when you're that age. Yeah. Right? Old people get sick. Yeah. Is what they they think. So uh, <laughs> you just caveat that's not what I think. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, but you know, they when you start looking at okay well if we're not maybe hitting the mark from an energy standpoint well then we're maybe you know more likely to pick up an injury mm. 
we're not going to perform to the best of our ability. We can't think clearly. And when you then relate that to the sport they're doing, so in the likes of, say, GAA, they have how many decisions to make, depending on what level they're at. You know, you might have a specific role in terms of uh, the the person that you're marking on the other team. You need to know kickouts. Um, you know, the, the list goes on. Um, so it's important that you're switched on, you're making decisions um, that are going to add and add and help your team. Um, I, I mentioned health there, maybe be not so on the radar but actually when you put in the context of performance if you come down with a cold and flu it's life's yeah, a little sure, bit yeah. different yeah. <laughs> yeah. to you know maybe you'd still get thrown into training and you'd have to you know just get on with it but now people are more conscious of it so um, you're probably not turning up to training if you're dying with the flu and mm-hmm. um, the way maybe we probably were once upon a time yeah, back in the day yeah yeah, that, yeah. exactly yeah. but uh, so is that that's probably not going to allow well A you're missing out in training exactly so, yeah someone else could take your place and the yeah. team then as a result yeah and again yeah. how you deliver this is obviously going to uh, be important you don't want any poor uh, poor girl or boy sweating but like it's just showing how it all interlinks exactly yeah, yeah. no it's, and again even at adult level like that's something that maybe people don't associate sometimes their, their yeah. nutrition requirements they just think they're unlucky when they get a cold sometimes it can be the case but other times instead of if they're stressed out and they're, they're they're not fed properly again they're they're at their this was susceptible is probably the best way to put it yeah yeah and even sorry on the note of like mood and food and so on like I mean if you're constantly under fueling like that's going to make you more irritable if you're more irritable as an athlete well you mightn't be the best teammate Um, and also when we think of sport and any irrespective of whatever level you're playing at the referee is going to wreck your head one day. Uh, things won't go for you. You know, all of a sudden, you know, your solo won't come back to you or whatever it might be or your kick and stuff or whatever. Um, you know, they're all things that can be part and parcel with sport, uh, uh, you know, when we play it. Um, but there's still things that we need to be able to overcome to get the most from that scenario. Yeah. And like, well, OK, that's not going too well, but like, what can I do well? But if you're kind of out of sorts or already kind of a bit, aggro or you know negative it makes it very difficult to try and like go back to that kind of solid headspace where you can see okay well geez that's not going too well for me like how do I correct that or what can I do or you know okay geez I missed that kick but now I'm switching back on to to defense because that's what I need to know. And that can be on. very tough in the melting spot of being in the thick of it on a pitch like oh, as well. It's very hard to find. It's easy to say that in retrospect sometimes, but when you're involved in the thick of it on the pitch, it's very hard to pull yourself out of that sometimes. So I said, the more you have a, I suppose one way I would have looked at nutrition, it's, it's a model I use sometimes. I'd love to get your your feedback on it. Is thinking of like the human being as like a piggy bank, right? So you have lodgements and withdrawals. So a lot of stuff we're talking about there is lodgements, like again looking at nutrition, our sleep. Um, stress management but again there's so many layers to that but like we're trying to get our hydration in there so then when we need to make withdrawals for these stressors that are coming at us so in the context of the pitch like the energy to move and then also the decisions that we're making if we have a lot of good quality lodgements put into the piggy bank there's more to lean back on then and withdraw from whereas if we haven't kind of filled up the piggy bank as much as we should have but if we haven't if we haven't fueled well and we haven't got ourselves well hydrated and then these stressors come at us we've kind of less in reserve then don't we to to then find that perspective or that decision making or that perform that extra bit of performance yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. it's like you know same with like skill um execution it's like if the work's not done there like it's a lot more difficult to you know 
have the performance that you want if you mm. haven't, you know, worked and honed on that. So it's the same with like eventually, like you might be able to sustain a level for a certain period of time, but eventually like that runs out, like eventually our body, you know, mm. will start to to break down or, you know, feel the wrath of not meeting your needs uh, for sure. But that actually takes us to the next place where it's going to go is like this time of year now. Uh, the weather's getting better. People are jumping on their bikes, doing a bit more. They're back playing golf and stuff as well. Like if we were looking at maybe the likes of cycling or people who are getting back into running, I think cycling is a good one because there's people who often go for a cycle. I see it a lot in the gym. There's people who go for a cycle and they might go for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, and they kind of have a meal and they go out and they cycle and come back and they're hungry after. Whereas then sometimes they go and do specific races or different things that are slightly beyond what they'd usually do. Maybe it's a 100K cycle or something like that. And it takes that little bit longer. And they can often be kind of taken aback by the fact that they start cramping up after a certain period of time or they just kind of hit the wall, whatever you want to call it. Um, can you tell us a bit about what's potentially going on there when, say, someone's going for, a, say, a three-hour cycle versus a two-hour cycle? Say, say, the two-hour cycle versus a one-hour cycle, let's say, for example. They usually cycle for an hour. They've gotten involved in some race and they're going to go for a two-hour cycle. What should they look at different now that the, the mileage has, has been increased? Yeah, so I think, I mean, when we start venturing into like high intensity, you know, activity that's venturing beyond kind of 45 minutes, 60 minute mark, well, then we might start to look at, okay, well, well, A, hydration is going to be key anyway. Like that's something that, yeah. you know, you want to start your exercise hydrated and you want to stay hydrated over the duration. So getting fluids on board, like I suppose, again, the the longer we're training for, the, the more we're sweating. Uh, you know, we're going to be losing electrolytes within that fluid. So it's like looking to replenish them. But we're also looking to make sure that we have a, a supply of carbohydrates. And I suppose the, the longer we're performing or and trying to perform at a high level um, and maintain that, um, the more we'll look to maybe take carbohydrates on board when we're when we're training. So in the instance of, you know, that two hour cycle, you know, as we venture past the one hour mark, you know, if you're looking to kind of keep pushing the boat out, well, obviously we want to make sure you're hydrated, but we also might look at like a simple carbohydrate to take on board to really support your performance to make sure that that performance doesn't dip. Um, and that's where you might find use in like jellies or gels or the like Luxate or Energize Sport um, where you've got fluid, electrolytes and carbohydrates all in one. And so, it's convenient as you're on so the go as Exactly. Well, yeah. Is that kind of general rule of thumb, um, like the pre-workout meal that you have or the pre-workout hydration in general could cover you for the guts of maybe an hour and then when you go beyond that, you need to start looking then at your, your intra-workout nutrition then if you like or is it kind of, I know it depends on the, the activity and the person, but is there a general rule of thumb there? Yeah, so I think with, say, the likes of hydration, like whether you're, like even in that hour, like you're still looking to take fluids on board every like 15 to 20 minutes. So we want to like stay on top. And I think with hydration, you always want to be like proactive versus reactive. And that's true even like you alluded to golf. Mm. Like that's something that we're trying to do in golf. We don't want you to be in a scenario where you're like, 
all of a sudden parched because chances are your cognitive function, you know, golf being so skillful, it, it, that's going to be on the decline. So we don't want to get you to that you point. You might end up in the 19th hole as well with that, so you have to be careful. That's <laughs> <laughs> the flake off that I know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to definitely be proactive with the hydration standpoint, irrespective of whether it's an hour or so on. So you, you definitely are chipping away at that. Would that be the same, sorry, in the football scenario, just going back as well, like are you looking for your your players to take on sips of water like 15-20 minutes into the game or you just wait until half time? Oh no, you're like, uh, and again, it'll depend on the athlete and how they're feeling and so on and so forth. But like any dead ball, you're like, Ishka or whoever's involved, like see if anyone needs a drink or yeah. throwing it in, uh, you know, where it's possible. And again, depending on, well, hopefully the weather improves. <laughs> yeah, we get <laughs> And there, we do yeah. have yeah. a summer. Um, but, you know, definitely in the heat and so on and um, sweat rates are going to be higher and everything mm -hmm. else. So you want to make sure that that's something that players are, are absolutely conscious of. We don't want to wait to halftime. Halftime, you're probably already dehydrated. I get you, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so you want to stay, start hydrated and stay that way. Now, that doesn't mean that you're taking on fluids left, right and centre and then all you can think about is needing to go to the yeah. bathroom because yeah, that's not going to be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so everybody runs to the dressing room at halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it definitely is a fine line, but it's just being conscious that like, uh, have I taken anything on board? Yeah. You know, is that maybe... With the golf scenario, sorry, I know we're jumping around a bit here. <laughs> Obviously, like it, it, it got around the golf can take three to four hours. Some people maybe longer, depending on the course and everything else. Um, it's obviously a much lower intensity. Like it's still a great workout, but yeah. like you're not you're not sprinting, you're not running. But again, it's it's a lower intensity. So like, how would the I suppose the the intra nutrition work there? Say like we're halfway through your round. Like what would you are you actually looking at physically eating something as opposed to the the liquid format, or does it matter? Yeah, uh, no, it it does matter. So what we're looking to do is that we're we're trying to. Um, we want to stay hydrated. We want to make sure um, blood sugar levels are stable so we've got enough energy for what we're doing, the task at hand that it can be executed. Um, and, you know, we want to kind of reduce or minimize any kind of fatigue that might s set in. We want to make sure, you know, that we can we can execute the performance that we want. So um, in that kind of like our rule of thumb for like a hydration sample, and again, it looked different for the the golfer, uh, you know, at hand, like we work with the Minute University Scholarship Program, their golf scholarship program. And um, so obviously they're competing at a, a, a high standard. They want to kind of keep pushing the boat out. So you'd be, you know, maybe giving them a nudge, like every time the putter goes in the bag, that's your kind of cue to maybe take some fluid on board. Oh, cool. So you're creating a cue for them each time. Proactive right? yeah. versus reactive. Mm. You know, uh, golfers go around with like their yardage book or their notebook. Um, can you ahead of time stick in prompts if it's something that you don't really think of? Yeah. Because again, if it's not your norm, it's difficult to yeah. create that. So going back to maybe practice, practice rounds, like that's something that you're looking to build in. Um, from a, a energy standpoint, yeah, like, I mean, again, you're looking to maybe take on a snack every, you know, three, four holes, five holes, maybe. So uh, maybe five, hole five, 10, 15, or depending on the course and how well you're playing or otherwise, you know, you might be looking at holes four, eight, 12 and 16, where you're getting something on board. So that could be like, you know, some fruit Um, you know, uh, maybe at the halfway point, you're looking to have a little, something maybe more substantial, like whether it's a chicken wrap or so on. And even if you think of it from a confidence standpoint, like if someone next to you or that you're playing with is whipping out I don't know, like a chocolate bar and you're there with your like sandwich or wrap, like 
automatically that should invest you with a bit of confidence being like, oh, I'm obviously a lot more prepared than this person yeah. um, to, to get me through to get me through this round. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that's maybe massively underappreciated in golf is that, well, actually, yeah, you are out for, you know, four hours plus in a lot of scenarios um, and you're covering a lot of ground and you are burning energy. And if you're looking to capitalize on your performance, mm. well, that needs to be taken into account. Because I think the other side of the coin is like, we all have energy requirements as people. Like, you know, I think that sometimes that can be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Like us sitting here now, like that requires energy, getting through your day, keeping your lungs, you know, breathing, so on and so forth. That all requires energy. And then any activities that we do on top of that, like that's all adding to our needs. And obviously, depending on your goals, will shape, you know, what we do with that or how we manage those needs. And so I think that's something to like, you already have a a baseline to hit. And then if you're an active golfer um, and out for hours, burning up calories well then that's on top of that yeah no, that's well needs. put yeah really good so if we were to go with one more kind of scenario would be a lot of people listen to this and maybe involved in the gym in some scenario mm. as well so like with the gym in general the gym sessions most people do are tend to be 60 minutes or mm. less like in general like there's obviously some exceptions there but if we use that as a kind of context 60 minutes or less so the intensity depending on what you're doing like obviously weight training is intense but it's not the same intensity of sprinting up and down a GA pitch. So we might call it medium intensity because you're getting lots of rest intervals in between. Um, and then like it's for that shorter period of time. How would people kind of go about managing their nutrition there? Like, is it generally about the pre-workout meal, do your session, and then you're looking to fuel up after as opposed to like trying to get bits and pieces in within that hour session? Yeah, I don't think it probably your needs aren't, you know, if you've if you've had a decent uh, pre-workout meal, you know, I think still getting carbohydrates in there to, you know, make you feel like you're you're strong, you're ready to rock is important. Getting a high quality protein source, you know, is important too to support your your lean mass and indeed adaptation. So um, I think if you've covered the basis there, happy days. I think, you know, you're, you're probably not looking to do anything other than stay on top of your hydration. And while we're on the note of that, like one thing that I see all of the time is pre-workout um, shakes or monsters with people in the gym. And I'm like, that caffeine isn't going to be absorbed for it because that is the the main, um, I suppose, um, that is the stimulus within those drinks. So that's why I suppose people look to take They're them on board. the pre-workout, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. you've got the stimulant yeah. there. So, um, but caffeine isn't absorbed, you know, for, you know, 45, 60 minutes after it's been uh, taken on board. Mm-hmm. So like really you're only getting the benefit of the caffeine like after your session mm-hmm. essentially. So it's like null and void. And then if you're training in the evening time, you're absolutely shaft and you're, Sleep, which exactly, has an, yeah, you're wired trying to go yeah, to bed. Then, yeah, and that has an influence on your recovery, your adaptation, and so on. So, like, just being a little bit switched on, and again, that goes into the education piece because some people just don't know that, mm. and you think, oh yeah, taking on board, and also it's a bit of a placebo too. If you feel like you're taking something on board that's supposed to make you better, like sometimes that can do the job in and of itself. Um, but obviously there can be knock-on effects of that. So just knowing when to use things that like that can be useful. But I think really in your your sixty minute session, it's like staying on top of hydration and then, yeah, making sure that you get your recovery sorted again in line with your goals. So if you've got, you know, over eight hours or 24 hours plus between your next session, like carbohydrates don't need to massively feature in your recovery and that can help shape maybe 
your meals around, you know, earlier that day. So protein is going to be a priority, is it? Yeah, recovery? yeah, pretty much there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're looking to train again within a kind of eight hour period. Okay, yeah. With, um, there'd be a lot of people who would go to the gym maybe in the morning time, so they're mm-hmm. kind of straight up out of bed and heading to the gym there. Uh, so time is tight. Appetite might be very low. There also don't, a lot of people don't like the idea of having food sitting in their stomach when they're going to exercise as well. So like, I know logically you could get up at four in the morning and have your breakfast, let it digest and go on, but that's not going to work for most people. (laughs) What's going to, like, what would you tend to do there? Say if you're working with a GA athlete, for example, and they they do their strength conditioning stuff in the morning times twice a week. What are you looking at nutrition-wise there? Is it the meal before bed? Is there some little snack they can have on their way to the gym in the morning? Or are you just more focused on what they're having afterwards? No, we'd definitely look again, it's like an opportunity to capitalize on the session at hand, the day ahead, meeting their needs overall um, and supporting their what they're getting from the training that they're doing. So um, I think you can, again, depending on the intensity of the session, like they might look to include maybe some more carbohydrates the evening before, you know, depending on on that session that's it's going to be followed the next morning and depending on what they can actually take on board you know what kind of timelines they're working within but when you know they're getting up you probably look to have uh, some sort of maybe protein source and some carbohydrates what that they can take on will be very individual and you know other constraints like uh, I suppose how far they have to travel and so on and so forth. Are they driving or are they, you know, getting a lift? If if the scenario switched then, because obviously when we're talking about G athlete, we're looking at fuel, fuel, fuel. But now if we we have a client who's come to you who has a weight loss goal and they're getting into the gym because they're trying to get the body fats down because whatever the goal is, maybe they have a holiday or a wedding and three months time that they're trying to get in shape first or they're trying to get their body fat down. How would that be managed then if they're training in the mornings? Because obviously you're trying to create a calorie deficit for weight loss to happen, but then you also want to make sure that they're properly fueled when they're 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 training. So how would that look? Yeah. So in that instance, like um, again, you could maybe uh, ma- manipulate, I suppose, energy intake to get in a little bit more in the evening time ahead of that session, or in the morning even having something like a banana. You know that's not very energy dense mm. in the grand scheme of things, but it gets something, you know, from an energy standpoint um, or your high protein yogurts and so on. Like you don't need to, they don't need to have a, a massive amount of food in that scenario, but you just want, either you don't want them to feel flat um, and you do want them to get the most from the session in terms of how they can push. And in scenarios where, you know, a lot of the time they don't have the, opportunity to train at another point like that's what works and obviously we want to get them to train than not to train so um so i think you know looking at something uh light doesn't need to be energy dense like we've got a a load of different recipes like um uh, light energy balls that like literally you could have made the weekend before and you're pulling them out of the freezer and you're Mm -hmm. having them you know ahead of that session you know that's going to be happening in 30 to 40 minutes time so um probably just to to get some sort of energy on board would probably be a good idea going into that session it's more important probably for Females as well, in particular from a menstrual cycle standpoint and kind of a health standpoint in that in that respect than it is maybe for males. But again, going back to how they're feeling and giving them the energy, you know, make them feel like they have energy to do that session. Um, you know, you're probably getting something on board will be will be beneficial in that instance. The other side of it is like, well, how do they respond? So if they don't take something on board, you know, what is that session like? But not only what is that session like, but, you know, 
do they struggle then to manage their appetite for the rest of the day? Yeah, potentially. Because yeah. uh, I'd come across a lot where people come in in the morning times into the gym and it's like, maybe it's a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the car as they're coming. Like they're literally just rolling out of bed, coming down. And like you'd question them, I was like, I feel fine. I'm performing well in the session. I'll just go home and have my breakfast after. So it's like with that on, on board, the client seems to be happy enough and they're performing well. They're getting stronger in the gym. Like we can see we're watching them. So it's kind of when the, the performance is good and they're happy and it's not, obviously we're looking at their nutrition plan. The rest of the, rest of the day hasn't gone off kill because they're starved for the rest of the day. Are you happy enough with that? Or like, would you always be trying to get something in there in the in the context of someone who's trying to lose weight and just like go to the gym a couple of times a week as yeah. opposed to performance? No, I think I think if it, if the if that person is performing well, there's no kind of negative knock on effects, or and it's helping you know fits in and they're helping mm. their goals. Well, then, um, I don't think it's it's the worst thing. Um, the only time I would be a little bit apprehensive is in the case of a female, okay. um, that can have a negative knock on effect, uh, just because. Cortisol, the stress hormone, is elevated in the morning. And then if you're looking to add more stress into the system, that can have a negative impact on, uh, on I suppose, our health from a menstrual cycle okay, standpoint. Yeah. So that's the it's only time. Yeah. yeah um, so nutrient timing in that capacity actually can be used. And again, that's going back to you might be having half a banana with a little bit of nut butter. Like it's, yeah, we're it's not talking major, anything yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so that's maybe a, a, an area where I'd be a bit more vigilant. Would you come across like in your own field, uh, whether it's in working with with people one to one or in the athletic scenario, um, people who are maybe vegetarian or vegan and like um, trying to create that balance where they're getting the right nutrients that they need? Like particularly, the first thing that would come to mind there is protein and how they can maybe get that on board. Is that how do you kind of manage that? I know vegetarian and vegan, there's, there's two different levels there as well. But like, how would you kind of? look at that when you have someone coming in maybe with a like say maybe we'll use the context of a guy in the gym who's looking to tone up muscle mass but he's a vegetarian how would you go about that in terms of giving him what he needs yeah so I suppose it's like seeing what he likes what he will take on board and then you know making him aware of of the options um in you know if there's kind of a, a restriction there or you know maybe he's a fussy eater or whatever might be on top of having the restriction of you know being vegetarian or you know vegan um well then maybe a, a supplementation might be useful in the context of a, a, a whey protein or a plant-based protein depending on on what camp they sit in um and, and i suppose that's where you know options like that can be useful if you know we're kind of explored everything that's available to us from a dietary standpoint um, and we still maybe are struggling with options, well, then that's when a supplement might be uh, useful. Um, so you could look from that perspective or also just like, you know, what is available, you know, your your lentils, uh, chickpeas, tofu, eggs, in the case of the vegetarian, um, uh, corn, uh, there's options to pull from so it's just making them aware of that they're there and then also like well how how can they get that into their day so for example um you know they probably need until it becomes habitual and um, they probably need a little bit of planning so recognizing where um they have an opportunity to maybe bulk cook or make a snack make a snack you know in in bulk so that when they're time poor they have stuff to pull on mm. or you know that they're sure that they're meeting their needs like greek yogurt and um, those uh, protein yogurts icelandic yogurt 
they're all high protein options. So again, for the vegetarian, that can be really handy. Yeah. yeah. So it's just making sure they're aware of their option. And then from the vegan, it's the same, the same scenario. And, you know, then it's about, okay, well, if we have to be a little bit more conscious, like where do we have time to be a bit more conscious so that we can plan for when we are really pushed and you're pulling something out of a freezer, you're pulling something out of the fridge um, and you kind of go about, about business that If way. you're the vegan athlete, obviously you're, you're, we, we spoke a lot about protein there and different sources that you're looking at because um, options are obviously fairly tight. Um, is there anything else you're looking at with a vegan athlete that you're like in terms of potential nutrient deficiencies or vitamins that you're kind of extra aware of and you have to bring attention to? Yeah, um, you're probably looking at uh, B12. Um, iron would be a big one. Um, I suppose that their overall quality is really important in their diet because there's a lot of accessible options well, there's a you know a, a, yeah a, a good few accessible options from a vegan standpoint but it's like well what is the quality of those products mm. as well um what would be the best calcium. way what sorry would they yeah. be looking at supplementation would that be the best way they could go about it or is there certain foods you might bring their attention to that might help them get it from food yeah well we'd always look at like a food first approach because the way nutrients are packaged like can't be replicated from a in a supplement form so but when we've exhausted those options and we've done the best we can do on that front well then that's when we look to to supplement um you also might look at maybe getting bloods done so you know what kind of baseline you're sitting yeah, at so you're not just like throwing you know shooting you know, in the dark assuming that they have these deficiencies yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so see where they're at and then you can look to build in around that mm. um so, yeah, so it's just, uh, I think a key thing with that is like making them aware of areas that they need to be uh, conscious of. Mm. So, you know, iodine, um, calcium, iron, B12, um, protein was mentioned already. So there are some of the nutrients that we might be a little bit more conscious of for a vegan. So it's like, OK, well, what are they happy to include in their diet? Where might they find those nutrients uh, in their diet? Um, and then where do I feel like there might be limitations um, and kind of go, go from there? It's that. amazing. Like everything we've just gone through there, it just shows you how much of a melting pot the nutrition world is. Like you said, you could have a team of 20 GA players in front of you. Like you've, you might have one vegan, two vegetarians, yeah. one who is allergic to this food two players that are trying to get body fat down, two or three that are trying to put, like it's, you know, like the, the, the principles you spoke about there, obviously this, the same principles, how they're applied to the individual is obviously the, the art and the science of what you're trying to do and like how you read those people is so important. Um, you can see how, when you go through it, like how easy it is for stuff to get lost in translation or nutrition things to be taken out of context or context or like where all these myths can kind of come from. Like, Given the platform we have now, is there anything that like you'd like you you'd love to get across to people maybe listening that like maybe stuff you come across all the time? You mentioned about the fourteen year olds not having the breakfast and stuff like that. Is there any recurring themes you see people coming to you at and you're like, where is this coming from? Or like, you know, like is there a constant myth you have to debunk all the time? I'm sure there's more than one, but is there anything <laughs> that's constantly coming at you? That? Um, I think you know, um myth probably that's can be overarching is like when we look at kind of health is that it should be like a really difficult like black and white scenario and that's like just not the case like there's so many factors that feed into our health like we've spent this conversation taking into account all these elements that influence how we might um 
work with various individuals and like health is the same. So what you're doing from a dietary standpoint, for example, like if it is taken away from, you know, your social health or like the time you spend with people that you really care about or it's limiting that, well, then, you know, is it really leaving you in a better position? Mm. Like, Joe, so um, I think moving away from and, and I suppose nutrition in general, looking at it in a black and white format, like trying to rid of certain nutrients or only operate in a certain manner. Like, I think that's probably something that trips people up because that's just not how it works. And it's like so context driven. And you have like people coming to you and they're like, oh, I made this change. Oh, I don't even know. Let me see. Like, it could be something like swapping from uh, or take, I'm taking green tea in the morning because that's going to help me. And it's like, well, actually, when you pull everything back and see like the big fish, like your energy needs in line with your goals, your macronutrient intake in line with your goals, your diet quality, your nutrient timing, you know, and thereafter your sleep, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's not going to make a difference if all of them are all over yeah. the shop. Do you know that kind of way? It's funny. Like, I, I think when people make one change that they focus on, I think by default, they probably make 10 other healthier changes as well, because like, say they go on this diet. If you go on that diet, you're also probably cutting out a lot of the crap that you maybe were overindulging on and snacking on. And then you're probably increasing your activity as well. So there's like, yeah. well, they can put it down to this one change they made. If you actually kind of heighten awareness, there was probably 10 other really significant changes that all added up together to make that happen, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think on that, like, I think another side of the coin is like not being afraid to take those easy wins and those simple changes um, and to focus on really the, the basics because very often we want maybe like the that supplement that's going to change everything, that silver bullet. And like there's just not one thing that fixes it all for you or get you to where you want to be. Um, so it's like not being afraid to maybe move slowly but surely because ultimately like your success is going to be dictated by how consistent you are. And it's a lot easier to be consistent with things that are within your grasp in the context of everything's everything else. So I think meeting yourself where you're at, you know, if you're someone who's listening and you've got kids and you're doing pickups and you've got a high pressure job or you just have a job that you need to show up for, um, you know, that all is going to hone in on your time, your your mental capacity and what you can maybe pay attention to. So like not being afraid to maybe capitalize on those like little areas that you can kind of keep chipping away at on a consistent basis because over time that will might take you longer to see those results, but it also will still help you get results versus I need to, you know, all of a sudden have six or more portions of fruit and veg. I need to be getting nine hours sleep or eight hours sleep and I'm currently on six and you're trying to make all these massive leaps. Big leaps, yeah. Like that's not yeah. sustainable um, more times than not. Do you know that kind of way? So it's like moving slowly but surely so you can consistently meet that new um, goal that you've set for yourself. And then you can always build upon that. Like if you know what the over, the area you're eventually looking to get to, like you can keep working towards that. But it like... Yeah, I suppose it, it doesn't need to happen overnight, you know, and it won't. So, you know, just being, I suppose, getting your head around to that, I think. Yeah, and no, I think you said it well there. You said like it's kind of black or white, like something I've come across when I'm dealing with the guys and the Bulletproof That program is they all say the same thing. Oh, I'm all or nothing, all or nothing. Mm. And it's like, that sounds great and it's real valiant, you know, but the reality is you're probably only all 
five or ten percent of the time. That means you're nothing ninety percent of the time. So like you're telling me you're nothing ninety percent of the time, and they kind of take a step back, and you're like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, maybe there's some kind of like the gray area in between this middle ground that we can kind of look at. So when you have a pint of beer the weekend, or when you you ended up having a couple of bar, uh, pack biscuits from the packet because your kids are eating the biscuits, and you that everything doesn't have to be destroyed then and there. You know, like you can still have a good dinner after it. You know, and get back on the next day. Um, that's something that I find is, I think if, if people can get their head around that, that it doesn't have to be the all or nothing approach, that there is this sweet spot in between. I, I think it can change people's lives big time and their their outlook on everything when it comes to nutrition. But I don't know, how, how do we get there? It's probably my question as a, from a coach to a coach. How do you yeah. think we can get to there? I think, like, I mean, I think it's patience, like yeah, you're which content. Which virtue more now than ever before, yeah. None <laughs> um, of us have it anymore. Oh, stop. Um... I think, like, I mean, you're contending with uh, someone's default essentially now, um, you know, in, in that scenario. So it, it's going to take time to to get to that space. Um, and it's just being aware of that. I think, you know, peeling it back a little bit. So if we are dealing with something in an all or nothing mindset, it's like you you have to try and like reiterate the message that, it doesn't need to be like this. Um, and, you know, we're trying to see past it. And you also have to get across that, you know, why we're looking to do that, um, you know, why flexibility can be beneficial. Um, so, you know, it's a case of, OK, if it is a case where you overdo it on the biscuits, you were said you're only having two and, you know, oh, God, you couldn't control it. And the here we are. Gone. Yeah. It's like, OK, but well, that day is not gone now. It's like on to the next mm. meal, on to the next snack. And we're, you know, going to try and stick to our guns there. And I think the key thing is getting across that, like, it's not off limits. Like those foods are there to be enjoyed. As I said, health is multi multifaceted and we are complex creatures that have different needs. Like, so you're trying to make someone aware of that. Um, so I think the the more we normalize the fact that the Vickies actually don't need to be off limits for you to be a healthier version of yourself, for you to perform at a higher standard, it might slowly but surely start to um, help that scenario. Um, but I think the key thing is, is that it, it can be a slow burner. Um, yeah, on, yeah. And it's like reiterating that message, mm. I think, is really, really important. You touched on earlier, you said about like healthy nutrition, but then how it affects your social life, you know, and I think like, I think like if like I've got young kids, I've been able to take them for a baby Chino and we have a chocolate croissant or we go for an ice cream or maybe I go for me and my wife or we sit down and we split a bottle of wine. You know, like these are, yeah, they're poor nutrition choices if you look at them in isolation. But these are things that, they're, things I, they're, they're a huge part of my life, you know, my lifestyle. And like, you know, if I was to try and cut all that out, I know my whole my whole life would suffer in other ways, you know, not nutri nutrition wise, I'd improve on the on the diet sheet, but other scenarios of life would really suffer as a result. And mm. then you take a step back and go, well, it's not really worth it, you know, for, for what, you know, to drop an extra percent of body fat or drop a kilo, whatever the, the goal might be, it's not really worth it. And I think to try and find that balance is key. So like, do you, I suppose the final question I want to bring to you here is like, how do you kind of help people see the bigger picture for themselves? Like, and like your, what's the ultimate question you would ask a client when they sit in front of you and they say, oh, my diet's terrible. I need to do this, this and this. I need to lose this amount of weight. Like what are you trying to get their vision towards? Um, yeah, so I think, uh, well, I mean, 
Okay, I suppose it depends on the individual. Like ultimately, we're trying to set people up to be in a position where they can make informed decisions, you know, as time goes on in line with their needs. So like your goals are going to change. Um, but I think, yeah, making them aware the first place that there's like all these factors that we need to contend with. So, you know, for example, if someone has an idea of the direction that they want to take and I maybe feel that it won't be the most optimal for them. Like, I can't force anyone into going my way. And it's not my way or the highway. Like, you're there to help and support. And together you come up with the kind of right formula. Um, but you're, I suppose, relaying why, um, why you, you know, you why you're making that suggestion. Um, and I think then, you know, a key thing is maybe as irrespective of kind of how you start, you might then slowly kind of build in, okay, well, like, look at the the knock-on effect this is having in this respect to your life or in this aspect. So, you know, I think in the scenario, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the athlete who whose weight was heavier than what they expected, but like they had all these positive elements yeah. from a performance standpoint, you're doing the same for that person who's trying to... Um, you know, maybe weight loss was the goal, but actually, you know, they're they're staying pretty weight stable, but they've made all these really positive changes that will actually support their health in a more rounded fashion. Yeah. So you're now that doesn't mean that they're they're not entitled or they uh, they don't you know they don't lose weight and you don't help them with that if that's really what they want. But it's like making them maybe see all the aspects of so that. They don't get to the point where it's, you know, kind of an exchange. So yeah. it's either or. Mm. So like, I mean, I think a key thing is I think maybe as we all kind of experience life and go after various goals and, and you know, sometimes when you achieve them, like there's been things that I've achieved, you know, on a personal level and like on paper, it sounds fabulous. And it's been literally the most miserable I've been. So right, yeah. it's because of the sacrifice that was involved. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. you talk about, you know, if I had to compromise this, that and the other with my other half or with my kids, like to me, that's not worth it. Mm. So it's I think it's just important to keep that element of reflection. And again, it's going back to, you know, what we mentioned about, you know, that self-awareness piece of like, well, is this actually adding or is it detracting? And I think it, it it can be really brave to like take it on the chin in terms of like, geez, I thought I wanted that, but actually I'm kind of here yeah. now or close to and I actually feel like crap. So like, is that really what I need? And and again, what's your drive? Like, wh why are you doing what you're doing? I think that can That's be, a, key, yeah. yeah, really important. It's like, are you doing that for yourself, really? Or is it for someone else? Or is it for kind of um, your peer group or whatever it might be or what you feel you should be doing? Uh, so I think going, tying that in with your why and also kind of your own values, I think is super important as well because they can help kind of keep you on the the path that you want to be on if you kind of but that that requires reflection that requires checking and that's yeah. actually I think as a you know work the work that I'd look to do is is like trying to bring my clients back to that place because mm. life is really busy like you know the kind of like you mentioned it in the context of you know having kids and everything else there uh, you know people have you know their jobs as well you know, playing maybe different or being involved in different sports or going to the gym whatever it might be like there's loads of different pulls on our time and our energy and it can be really difficult and very often we maybe don't prioritize ourselves in that respect to just have a few minutes out like it doesn't need to be a big lengthy journal session or anything like that but it's 
by finding out, well, you know, what gives you that kind of moment to reflect that it fits within your week or your day or whatever it might be uh, so that you can kind of see where you're at and see like, geez, am I still on that path that I actually wanted to be on or have I veered or been distracted by something else? Um, so I think coaches um, or nutritionists or whatever, whoever you're working with, like, I think, you know, it's, it's part of their role maybe to make sure that you're being pulled back to so that you are making the informed decision for yourself and then that you know, we can guide you in line with that. Yeah, I think you said it there. I think it, 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 for me, it comes back to the why, really, doesn't it? It's like, I want to lose weight. That's great. Like, why? What, what do you want to get out? Like, what's losing weight going to give you? Like, mm. And again, like that could be more confidence in work, more energy to play with your kids, being able to go to the shops and buy the clothes you want to wear, all these things. Like, and like again, whether that's, whether you, you had a goal of weight loss goal of two stone, you only lost a stone, but all these things started happening. Like, that, is that a failure because you only lost one stone or has actually had a massive beneficial impact on all these eight key facets of your life you know mm. um no like I, that was a great summary that was absolutely brilliant okay we've gone through a lot of stuff there like the work you do is genuinely <laughs> fascinating when you break it down like you're like even if you just worked with ga teams on their own that's 20 individuals on a panel for example 20 36 36 sorry <laughs> oh at the elite level so sorry oh yeah God. but but if you look at it there like that we said we could have vegetarians there vegans there people who are slightly higher than the body weight they want to be at some that are under and then there's all these other areas going on as well um you say you you do a lot of corporate work but then you also work with GA teams as well so there'll be people listening to this going god I'd love to talk to Kate more about maybe working with her one-on-one -on -one, maybe getting her in to talk to one of the GA teams I'm involved with or maybe getting her in to speak with a company that I'm involved in or where I work how can they find out more about you yeah so um we've our website so nutricate.com um, or Instagram is probably where we're, where I'm most prominent. Um, so it's Nutricate underscore com. Um, you'll see my head pop up uh, there. Um, so they're probably the two contenders. Um, or email info at com. either. Uh, you'll, you'll get Brilliant. to those there. Yeah. Great stuff. Kate, thank you so much for your time today. It was absolutely fascinating. I know anybody listening to this will take huge value from it as well. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Bulletproof Dad podcast. If you enjoyed it and you took value from it, please spread the good word. Let your friends know, drop it into the WhatsApp group, let your colleagues know, anyone you think that could benefit from listening to this, spread the good word about the Bulletproof Dad podcast. And we'll catch you on the next episode.